Hey all, what you're about to hear was originally released as an exclusive full episode to $1 an episode tier and up patrons on patreon.com slash wordtetris. However, thanks to a very generous donation on behalf of this week's guest, Karina Adley McKenzie, the decision has been made to release this episode to the public for free for everyone. So with that said, please enjoy. Watson, welcome to Word Tetris. Thank you. Great to be here. How are you? I'm fantastic. How's uh, I assume we'll record. So, but the last episode that went up was recorded a week ago today, and no one had fired their agent yet. Oh, so I'm the first. <laughs> You're the first post <laughs> agent apocalypse. Oh, yes, I have. I, guess. I have. I, a girl has no agent. <laughs> So everyone's having, today was the day that the union announced that they are su- now suing. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, See, seen I haven't yet? been online much today. So okay, you're breaking so, the news to me. So the it was the WGA announced they're going to sue. Oh, um, dang. Sue the agents over the packaging fees. Okay. Well, well, I have a, some lawsuit was filed. Well, a lawsuit okay. was filed. A lawsuit was filed. Against far, specific agents or um, agencies? Is it big four? I think four? against the ATA as a whole. Okay. So that would mean the big four. Okay. Um, shit's gonna get gnarly. Can I say shit? Yes, you okay. can say shit. <laughs> shit, You're, it's gonna get crazy. I just look. I just watched an episode of television you wrote where a woman grapples with the fact that she has never had an orgasm. I'm pretty sure you can say whatever the hell you want. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we move further, first 20 minutes of this episode will be available for free on wordtetris.com and all you various podcasters. If you want the full episode, the full Sarah Watson experience, head on over to patreon.com slash wordtetris. Sign up for the $1 an episode tier. Get the full episode. If you want to hear a bonus episode after that, stick around. Uh, uh, sign up for the $3 an episode tier tomorrow from when this comes out. You'll get a bonus episode, bonus Sarah Watson. We're going to talk positivity, which is the whole reason we're oh, here. I'm a big fan of positivity. <laughs> Pay the dollar, people. <laughs> $3 for oh, that one. $3. That it's, I guarantee it'll be worth it and uh you can find me on twitter at twitter.com slash meryl bar m-e-r-r-i-l-l-b-a-r-r you can find the show on twitter at twitter.com slash word tetris pod sarah where can people find you online sarah watson s-a-r-a-h-w-a-t-s-o-n 42 um on twitter and on instagram and are we promoting anything or it's all uh, i've got a book coming out next spring okay uh, anything on that uh, title? It's called anything? Most Likely. It'll either be out in spring or summer of 2020. Um, Little Brown, Poppy is my imprint, and I'm okay. very excited. It's my first young adult novel. Now, Sarah, what is your relationship to rewriting? And since you just, I know you turned in you turned in that book, you told me. Yes. Like turned in, turned in? or Well, no, I still have, there's a, many steps. I turned in, um, I just did a really big rewrite, though. How, all right, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yes. So how was that rewrite? Well, ordinarily, everything I turned in is perfect on the first <laughs> draft, like all writers. Um, that, that was sarcasm. So does that mean you hate rewriting? No, actually, I really like rewriting. Um, rewriting, I feel like, is where things really come alive. And um, the dirty little secret, I think, writers um, don't like to admit, but we like good notes. I know 
know writers like to bitch and moan about the network process. And a lot of times it's because we get conflicting notes or we get notes that aren't really thought well through. But a great set of notes is like gold. What's your, what, what, do you like a specific note or do you like a broad note that says like, there's something where you can play a little detective and figure out what's, all right, what's this actually about? (sighs) It, it really depends. Um, I, I love a note, first of all, that starts with a compliment. <laughs> it's something that I wish more executives were, would do. Say what you do like about it first so that I, you know, we're all... The way I had I had a therapist who explained it to me, not notes, but just talking in general about um, my current therapist when we were talking about, because uh, I have a tendency to be very blunt. Mm. <laughs> compliment sandwich. Uh, yes. Yeah, no, that's exactly, what said. That's exactly, what's, exactly what you said. Yes. Exactly what you said. Make it a sandwich. Like, you yeah. know, compliment, criticism, and compliment. Every TV writing course or every writer's group you're in, that's what they teach you. And somehow that's just been lost um, in television. It's like the, the more nasty they can be, the more, the more good they are at their jobs. And what's been great about this book rewrite experience is that um, – so far, my this is my only experience, but publishing is not like that. Um, why I've heard not the first time I've heard this. Oh, why, really? Interesting. Why is publishing? I don't like know. That? What is it like? What is it about the editors in publishing that go where they seem to have an they come to it with a knowledge base of I'm I'm bumping on X Y and Z, but this is yours and not mine. So I I mean we paid you for you. So I'll tell you how I feel, but it's your decision. It's yeah. Like, so why, why, what's, the, do. what's the difference? I truly don't know, but I think part of it is fewer cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I have I have one editor. She's fantastic and really experienced, plus her assistant, who are giving me notes. So it's one cohesive voice where a lot of times in television, you're getting notes from studio, studio network. network and they don't always agree. And sometimes there's infighting. And I think sometimes it's... Um, also, there's far less moving parts as a whole. Yes. There's just a book is you write the text. Yes. The person reads the text. Maybe, you know, and the publisher doesn't give notes, right? Or the, and the publisher just hires the editor yes. to do that for them. Right. So they're speaking on behalf of the publisher. So that's one voice speaking. Yeah. So the one voice thing definitely helps. And I do think there's a lot more politics in television. At least that's been my experience. Like you oftentimes get in a war between the network and the studio over who's going to get their voice heard. And who's big dog on big dog on campus. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, ultimately, it is the network who has the final say. But I think, you know, there's just I've noticed interpersonal conflicts in note giving a lot in television. And that's not always the experience there. I've had fantastic notes experiences in television. But I think there's a lot more complicating factors. Whereas with with books, it's just one voice. And that's been really great. And my editor, um, I can give her a shout out, Pam Gruber. She's awesome, super experienced. And so she brings a level ex- of experience to the book world that I don't have. So she's seen things that I don't see. What's an example of like a really great note you got from her where it was like, Oh my god, where have you been all my life? Oh my gosh, there are so many, but let me try to let me try to think of a specific one. Um, I think she had a 
specifically for one character, I had it in my mind that I was communicating a certain thing, and apparently I was not. You know, she thought something that this character was doing was coming off really unlikable, and it wasn't my intention at all. She's like, you know, maybe you meant to make this character unlikable, and uh, that's your choice, but this was my experience, and it wasn't my intention at all. And she was able to sort of highlight it in a way and give me some suggestions on how to make the character feel more real, feel more balanced, and that was that was what's, great. What's a version of that conversation in television where it's where where what they're trying where they're trying to express? Because I feel like the intention, because I feel like the intention is the same, right? It's this yeah. intention of I'm trying to communicate to you that this is how it's coming off. But instead of doing it in the way she did, where it's, hey, this is how I I read this, and I don't know if that was your goal or not. I th- I've got notes that are like, I hate this character. Right. And without a compliment sandwich, it's really hard to not take that personally. Right. Because even if it's not my intention, and even if the note can ultimately make it better, it still stings. Right. No, I got that. I got that. Uh, I just All right, so I just did a polish on my oldest of the three samples that I, I have, I'm happy to and send And where out. are you getting your notes from? Are these from yourself or from friends? From, uh, well, I'm backtracking. So okay. originally it was, I used to get notes from people, but this is where I learned, because you don't know, well, not learn, but you in the beginning, you don't have access to the right note givers. Yes. You just have access yeah. to your friends. Yeah. And not- Who sometimes are amazing. Right, but, some, but the yeah. thing is that what you, re- what you learn over time is that not everyone is supposed to read everything and that there are certain people who have viewpoints that yeah. don't match up with the thing you're, like if you're trying to write, so in this case it was this CW sci-fi-ish urban fantasy show, mm-hmm. right? I handed that to a guy who uh, loses his fucking mind for um, Russian experimental films, right? Uh-huh. And loves the so, friend, yeah. like just the wrong, yeah. the wrong audience, right? But all I had. So at the time, though, I had a char- my main character. I I didn't understand the concept of an act of choice, where it's like the character is running through the story and it's happening to her, right? Everything's happening to her. And I was like, well, it's hap- the whole point of this is happening over one, this pilot's happening over one night. And her entire world mm-hmm. is being upended in this one night. And then what happens after that one night? That's the show. And the problem, and I was like, well, then, yeah, she's, she's getting, she's, all this information is being thrown at her. At no point was she making an active choice, even mm-hmm. an active choice to run away yes. from it. There was she was just being dragged along the story. Yeah, she, and a passive character is really hard to connect and with. And this dude, yeah. like, offended very offended of like you have this fun she's not doing anything what are you talking about she's not doing it she's in the middle of all this shit yeah but she's not doing uh-huh. anything and then i wrote in one scene where he elbows someone in where she she elbows someone in a face in the face and to get away and i was like okay well there she's now fighting back and that's all it took just yeah that little bit of just like she wants to and then she has another moment where later she pulls a knife like it's like she starts to fight back and the more i wrote her fighting back the more the dude came around, so I just did this polish last night. That that was that was like four years ago, three years ago. So I did the polish just now because I'm trying to. Um, you know, we always carry samples, but mm-hmm. this is the oldest of the ones I carry. I was like, this one needs like this one needs like a quick rebuff. It's a little it's a little dusty. I don't write this way anymore. So I did that, and I was just like, oh, because I've done that now, mm-hmm. where I have written other things where the characters are far more active and far more. Uh, just like choice making. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. 
oh no and took a few hours and just like oh like well this is but this but i know how to fix it it's yeah. a very easy fix yeah. so just fixed it and i was like oh okay because so you've become a better writer right. every time you write and so you, when you go back to something you wrote what, four years ago right and what I, my advice would be on this one is that i've just learned is if you have samples and you have samples you like to send out, if one of them's a little old, and that means you've changed as a person a little bit, go back to it and just give it a polish with the yeah. new eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, so when uh, when you're writing, you know, when you're writing something, let's go with, let's stick with the bold type okay. for a minute. When you're doing rewrite on a show like that, also where the stakes aren't that high. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> um, what was the process like in rewriting? Let's go like sticking with the pilot. What was it like rewriting that pilot? Oh my gosh. Well, I was, I mean, I was getting notes from a lot of people, so it was really challenging to balance all that out. And, you know, Freeform um, was, had this really staunch idea that, you know, it, they would always go back to, it's called the bold type. Although when we were shooting the pilot, it was called issues, but they didn't want the women to have any weaknesses. And it's really, really hard to create a show where characters don't arc. I can see, I actually can see you telling me that I can, and having just recently watched the pilot for the first time, I can totally see the remnants of that note. It, in the pilot. I found it really challenging because I I disagreed with them in the sense that I don't think women in their early 20s have it all together. And I think there is a lot of room to grow. And I think we do make a lot of bad mistakes. And so um, it was a lot of push and pull about like, how do you present a character as strong in the in page one and then have somewhere to go by the end? Mm-hmm. So I, I would say that was like a huge but it, struggle. Well, it opens with them at, a lo- at the low point. Yeah. Like it open well, no, they're not the low point. When you find out later, they're not yeah. the low point. They're expressing ex- uh, they're anger expressing, over, yeah. <laughs> over anger over having just gotten past the low point. Yeah. Um, but uh, but then but it's also counterbalanced by their boss who is perfect. Who is perfect. Who's perfect. And that's hard too because when you have a character who's perfect, where do you go with them? Right. And, and also they. Um, you know, this was one of the other struggles I had with them is that they're really anti girls in love. And so like they, they kind of one exec in particular sort of saw love as a weakness, like that desire to want to be in a relationship. And I mean, I definitely think in my twenties I was prioritizing career, but that didn't mean that I didn't want love. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I think love is one of the biggest stories we tell Like, I mean, it goes back to Aristotle, you know? And so when, when that, choice is taken away from you in terms of storytelling it does make it challenging is that why you swung so far in the other direction yeah. in the second episode yeah because we haven't seen so anyone hasn't seen the bold type i just watched the first two episodes the pilot is exactly what you just described the second episode the plot of the second episode is what's the main character's name jane 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 is t- uh told all right someone else is that had to uh not you can't write our sex column this month we need you to do it and she goes oh uh, and she goes, and so it's, she's told to write like a very standard how to like, like how to have the best orgasm or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at which point is immediately discovered she's never had an orgasm in her life, by the way. And the episode does not end with her getting that to the end of that. <laughs> there's that there's in, I feel like the bad version is okay. By the end of the episode, she has an orgasm. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, but, but it's, it's like, not that easy. But it, yeah. the thing is that you get to the end of it and you go, I wanted to show the complications. Right. And- right. And you get to the end of the episode and you go, well, wait, she didn't. She just fit, what she realized was she's has the capability yeah. to, 
And that was it. And I was like, that's pretty good. Thank you. That's pretty fucking good. Um, also, I I don't think I've ever laughed harder hearing someone uh, spout the line, it's stuck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that that, that made, That's one of the hardest laughs I've had in a long time. Oh, my God. But moving on from that, go watch the episode, people. Um, on, like on Parenthood... One, the, that show is so specific. Yes. Right? Cadams is so specific. Cadams. Cadams is. <laughs> I, dude, I shared a freaking. I shared an elevator with him so many times in the last six months, and I still always get his name wrong. Wait, you I, shared an elevator with him? Yeah. Oh, are you I, over I, at that I office? I was over at that office. Yeah. Not in that office, not in uh-huh. uh, any of his things, but our office was next to True Jack. Um, but uh, anyway. So you probably shared an office or an elevator with Oliver Stone, too, then? No, oh. actually did not. Although I was told there was possibility yes. I could um, So on that show, the voice is so... It's his, so his voice, yes. Right. And the 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 rambling, the over-talking, yeah. all of that. I don't, also, I don't know how the hell you write that on the page. Well, um, a lot of that is loose and improv on the on set. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a show that was really fast and loose with dialogue. How do you rewrite that, that, that show? Because is it easier because you know you have to write towards his voice? I thought so. And also his voice matches my voice. Like that's definitely the best fit I've ever had in terms of staffing on someone else's show. Um, He does. He has such a specific voice and he's so specific about what he wants. So I found it really easy to, not easy to write the show. It's, It's a complicated emotional show, but easy because I knew who I was trying to to write to. And right. like it's so specifically his voice and he's also so good about communicating exactly what he wants. How do you what what would be like a typical note from him on a rewrite? Well, with Jason, you're right. His voice is so specific and he just wants things to feel emotionally real. Mm-hmm. And so if he reads something and it doesn't feel real to him, that's like that's when you But that show's not like that's just real but it's not though. Like that's the weird that's I find that note fascinating because the 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 complications are real but the way these it's a hyper real in that show if Inter- I felt that's like. interesting that you I, have that reaction cuz I always found it very real and very grounded. Like we always kept things really complicated and messy. Characters didn't always have super clean arcs. Right. They, I, yeah and I but that's and that's all like it's it's compressed. It all yeah. is very compressed. Like in real life, like the way you know the 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 you know the biggest heartstring season, the 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 breast cancer season, yeah. um, the everything felt very compressed in that season. Like the in like, terms of timeline, in terms of timeline. I mean, maybe just and, in terms of making it TV, right? Yeah. And exactly, and because of that it just everything felt way more heightened than yeah. I think. In reality, there'd be a, there'd be some lull points. Yeah. Right? Well, that was also such a personal story for Jason because mm-hmm. his wife Kathy had just gone through mm-hmm. breast cancer and all all of that. So it was such a personal story for Jason. Right. And so, on a show like that, when you're conducting, how close was your first draft to what would get shot? Because I imagine Pretty that show close. really because yeah. I always imagine that show would take a would need a lot of drafts. No, it's, it's so cl- so Sorkin and it I, and it's because we spent so much time breaking the episodes. Okay, like that show I, more than any other show I've been on. We really specifically broke scene by scene. Like we'd be in the writers' room with these note cards and go through it over and over and over again. So by the time you went off to script, I already knew exactly what every scene was going to be. I already knew lines of dialogue. So there wasn't, and we didn't. 
we didn't have a lot of episodes not work. Like I've been on other shows where you pull an episode off the board and then you go to write it and you're like, holy shit, this doesn't work at all. We have to completely re-break it. I mean, there were maybe storylines we had to re-break here and there, but for the most part, once Jason... And that's also a testament to Jason's experience. Mm -hmm. Like, he knew when things were working or not. That that idea of the breaking, it comes up a lot. Breaking and outlining are a big factor in the show, because I feel like I am of the mind, and not everyone agrees with me, particularly younger writers do not agree with me. Um that outline will save your ass. Oh, interesting. So younger Uh, writers tend to say, because they're like, no, go to script because here's what I get a lot. I'm a heavy outliner. My process is notes on the, no cards on the board to a, for, for an hour long to a 12 to 15 page outline. That's all prose with some scattered dialogue. And the more dialogue means the more I have to write because it's, I'm writing proper dialogue and takes up a lot of the page Um, to, First, um, from that to a bunch of rewrites on that document, and only after a few passes on that document will I then move to script, at uh-huh. which point, uh, I have said this many times, I'll never not advocate because it changed my life forever. John Rogers gave me the greatest piece of advice on the first episode of the show, which is the idea of if you've outlined properly and you have like that document, you can write out of order, mm-hmm. and oh, you can yeah, start at the sure. end. Yeah. So, and he calls it chasing enthusiasm, write the thing. That excites you most that day to write. Oh, that's interesting. I and don't write like that, but I could totally see that. I did it. My first pilot I did it on is the best thing I've ever written huh. still. Like, and it's, it's, I've had I've written two things since it and it's still the best thing. Yeah. I've and a good written. outline lets you do that. Right. And it's just, so the idea of, so the problem is that young writers look and go, you're taking the magic out of the script. And it's like, no, I'm not. I am just moving the magic to a different place. So I'm not banging my head against the wall when I'm at script because I have found that it is freer to, you are fr- more free to make big chess moves in the outline that's only 15 pages yeah. long. And you can move whole scenes, remove, uh, move and remove whole scenes and shift things and experiment. And you never at any point feel like you have just blown up weeks to months to years of work. Yeah. Right? Because it's just, well, it's just this document. It's the script. There's something so finite about looking at the script. And looking at it in the script. So when you guys, when you're saying that you were heavy outliners, have, yeah. what was that? Pri- and how well, much rewriting not, happened? Not necessarily heavy outliners. In fact, in the final season of the show, we didn't even outline. We just did story area documents. But pers- like for our writer's room, those note cards and what was in the room notes was so heavily detailed. Mm-hmm. How, so what did you, when you went off to the bold type after that, because <clears throat> that was the next thing you followed yeah. up with, right? What did you take I consulted from- on a show in between, but yeah, okay. mostly. What did you take from that process? I mean, I, I teach Jason's, I follow him to the, mm-hmm. <laughs> to, into Mordor, into the fires of Mount Doom. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, I've been in so many writer's rooms and it is the best process I've ever seen. And I mean, other showrunners run great shows and have a different process, but that one just fits with my brain and mm-hmm. how I work. So I'm a heavy note carder. Um, on Parenthood, we like to break, um, by character and I like to do that we did the same thing on the bold type every character gets a different color like I still remember Adam and Christina were yellow Joel and Julia were pink you know it's just it's so ingrained in my mind that you everybody gets their own color so you see how you're balancing them and it's a great process Mm -hmm. and what what were the what was the rewrite process like on episodes for that first season of the bold type Oh, brutal. Um, you know, it was just there were so many people with differing opinions about what the show should be. So mm-hmm. it was brutal. Mm-hmm. 
in the room or also be outside Both. the room? Yeah. In the, well, mostly mostly outside the room, but in the room. What as were well. you particularly looking for when you were doing rewrites on those episodes? I wanted heart and humor. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted those characters to feel real and I wanted them to feel I wanted to feel their struggles and feel like, you know, I think of the 20s as such a messy, complicated period in your life. And I really wanted to capture. Oh, I can't wait for mine to be over. Like, <laughs> oh, my I'm, God. I, I am two months from them being over and I can't wait. <laughs> I do not wish the 20s on my worst enemy. They are, you're, you have no sense of yourself. You're trying to figure out who or, you are. Or you have a complete sense of yourself. But it's but, wrong. But, well, or my personal favorite, this is one that I think happened to me. I had a sense of myself by 23. I really did, but I was. So, but because you're 23, the rest of the world goes. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. But I don't you, care. But you, looking back, were you right or were you wrong? No, I, well, I was both. Yeah, like I had a sense of myself when I was 23, also probably stronger than I do now. But it was so misguided and stupid. Right. So it's it's just I and someone there was a podcast I was listening to at one point. Uh, comedian was Greg Barron. Greg Barron, who wrote "He Just Nothing to You," was talking to a buddy. And the buddy had been the, the the guy's a fairly like famous lead singer in a band, and he's like twenty eight at the time, and he's offered this big like gig, like one of those gigs where it's like host this reality show and make some money on MTV, like that's basically the gig. And he goes, and so like there's this conflict between the sellout and the and the Puritan of this twenty eight year old, like fuck, I don't want to be. I don't want to be Mark McGrath, man. And and Greg goes, dude, Mark yeah, McGrath do. has a pretty great life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be Mark McGrath. <laughs> and, and the guy goes, fuck, I just, I just want to be done in my twenties, man. <laughs> like, yeah. fuck, I feel that so hard. Yeah. That was at twenty five when I was listening to that. Like, just. 20 suck. Oh, they totally suck. <laughs> but looking back, you will look back on them with such a fondness. And it's this, you have carte blanche to screw up in ways that you do can't you know? lay. Yes, you do. Because every, and I love that in your 20s, every decision feels life or death. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm in my 40s, a lot of the things I deal with are life or death. Like I'm at the age where I now have friends getting sick and friends going through major divorces and friends losing their parents and so the shit you deal with in your 40s and not that people don't deal with those things in their 20s but for the i think for most people you're not dealing with that your life things are so much bigger in your 40s but they feel so much bigger in your 20s like you have a fight with your friend and it feels like life or death right and there's just something kind of exciting about that now how do you now, I imagine portraying that is easy if you do the bad version, right? Because yeah. the bad version of that, in portraying it on screen or in novels or whatever, is to just act like, no, it is life or death. But at no point acknowledging, without any point acknowledging, but it's really not. It's really not. It's yeah. really not. So if you don't do the other side, which is what makes it real, then it's just, well, it's bullshit. Yeah. Because no, it's never that life or death, unless you're, unless it's Buffy, then it is. Then it is life or death, yeah. (laughs) Which is why episodes of Buffy were so much easier to break. Like I'm, uh, this pilot I'm breaking now, which I can't talk about, unfortunately, but it's the same kind of thing where it's just very character heavy. And I'm like, God, when am I going to like wake up and break something that has like a cop story or like a doctor thing so that I actually have real stakes? Right. Because right now every (laughs) act break is like, she feels emotional. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, like I did a, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a pilot. No, it wasn't. I broke a pilot. So I broke a pilot, um, last year 
This is right. So it wasn't. It wasn't that short after the the greatest pilot ever <laughs> right, that I wrote. <laughs> so I was like, Fuck, "How do I follow that?" Right. <laughs> so I broke this pilot, and it was like this. You know, I can say this. It's I call it bones with ghosts. It's got oh, the added. Okay. It's got the attitude of bones, but it's a ghost thing. And I got to. I got through the whole. Like I outlined it. I got through the break. And what I discovered is an ability of myself that I guess I think this comes with after you put in enough years and enough hours, this happens. You reach a point where you can break a show you're not that excited about. And you get to the end of the outline oh, yeah. and you go, oh no, I'm now not that. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> don't want to write it. Yeah. I'm not excited. And I didn't write it. Like, and then I, but here's what happened it broke, that moment broke me because I went, and when I got to that moment, I went, Oh shit! I have nothing left in the tank. Oh, I God. just broke something. Because here's what happened: that, you broke a perfectly decent episode of television that you don't want to write. Right? It's well, totally this fine. goes back to your friends who are you saying you the younger people that they want to just sit down and write. Maybe if you had just sat down and write, I don't know. There's something to be said well, for that. Well, no, no. Well, the reason that I, what happened was I was looking at it going, "There's two problems here, and they're both my problem. Problem number one is." is the stakes issue it's like there's not there's no stakes yeah right there's it's this, this person is a medium talking to ghosts and she's what she's discovering she's a medium and it's like it's classic right it's been there done that that's what was problem one been there done that we've seen there's there's versions of this story that exist there's nothing new about the story but i figured out what would make it unique but it's problem is that it's counter to my own perspective of being as a person because it was like well, if I bring in these this like religious element, then there's actually something different there. But I'm agnostic, <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm agnostic, it's just gonna read false. Uh huh. And I put it down. But then six months went by, and I didn't do anything. I and I was mad about it. Like I'd never been so mad at myself. It's just like because you br- felt like you wasted time. Well, not even I wasted time, but I what happened was I had emptied the tank. Yeah, back you'd so burned yourself out. What ha- right? Exactly. So the yeah. the year prior, in addition to the best script ever, three other scripts in that year. Yeah, you were in the zone, and I just got to the end of it, and I didn't realize the tank was empty, just completely empty. Um, and so when I wrote that, I was like, because when I broke that this other thing, I was like. Yeah, I can do this. I yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Yeah, just um yeah, um what do I what is this about? <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta step away for a minute. One of my favorite things a writer ever said in the writer's room was Andy Reeser on the middleman. We were trying to break this episode and we were just banging our heads against the wall and it wasn't working at all and and a couple of people in the room wanted to just stay late and keep trying to break it. And Andy said, Sometimes when you put your nose to the grindstone, you just get a bloody nose. <laughs> and it's so true. Yes. It's so true. Like, yeah, we could have like put our noses to the the grindstone but like we were just like it was just blood all over the walls at that point and sometimes you just got to step away sleep well, on it the, go to yoga whatever you do yeah, and that feels like the and, and there's a thing in a rewrite i've come to learn about called the the the, the diminishing returns philosophy yes yeah where you stop where you reach a point where you start changing things not because it makes it better because it makes it different yes absolutely and i that's been a struggle with this book rewrite because my deadlines have been pretty tight on it and so i've been 
um, writing all day, every day, on the weekends, at night. And there are days where I have forced myself to step away from it. And I tend to be a very goal-driven person. So like once like my butt is in the chair on a rewrite, like I'm not getting out till it's done. It's one thing to do that on an episode of TV, but on a whole book, it's been different. And I've had to be, it's weird because my self-discipline has had to be disciplined about giving myself breaks. Right. No, and kind of scheduling it yeah. out and blocking out your time for when yeah. this is when I'm this is when I'm working. This is the ass and chair moment. Yes. And now I'm moving away from this moment. Um, what about working on shows like The Unusuals, right? Uh-huh. Which is a very totally show, different show. Totally yeah. different show, right? Jeremy Renner's in it. Yeah. Again, this is before Jeremy Renner's Jeremy Renner. Oh, the Hurt Locker came out while we were on was- it. <laughs> and like everyone knew he was about to be a huge star. Right. Right. But if you so if you don't know a cop show, ABC very, you know, right after the writer's strike, right after the strike, it was one of those. It was, and it was a weird one. It was yeah, like one of those ones that just kind of disappeared. Yeah. No, did that happen? Wait, did the strike happen? So did the room start after? After the strike, right yeah. after the strike. Right after. So right after, and kind of the studios are like punishment time, like, yeah. which is a great, great moment for everyone. But rewriting on a show like that, because that's also you. When you look at your filmography, you go. Well, that and standoff is close enough. Like standoff is close. Standoff is close well, enough. Well, Parenthood's more like I when I got to Parenthood, that's when I like found my jam. Right. Like prior to that, I was like getting these offers on cop shows, and those I I think I did okay, but that wasn't like that where you was, that can was, write it. You it's like it's like the pilot that I yeah I bailed on. Uh, yeah, I could do, do it. it. I could that's do that, it. And that's experience. It's all like yeah. you've now you've reached a level where it's like I can do it. And I will do it because I but like also, money. also, I was, yeah, I was at a point in my career where I couldn't be picky. So if I got, and the, the Unusuals was a great show, but I was also, did I want to do cop shows for the rest of my life? Right. No, I did not. But right. I was at the point in my career where when I got an offer, I took an offer. And mm-hmm. also they were moving the whole writer's room to New York and I really wanted to live in New York. <laughs> so sometimes other factors do become involved. Oh, yeah. So, um, but then you go move over to Parenthood and you yeah. go, Heaven. Oh, I'm home. Oh, right. I'm That's home. what I, I yeah, I'm home. Right. I was there for six years, the whole run of the show, like I was home and I feel like I got to really develop my own voice. And it's interesting because that show is so specifically Jason's, but when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, I found somebody who matches my voice and like it allowed me to grow as a writer in Well, match your voice or like, what was the sample that got you that job? <laughs> it was a Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. It was a Gilmore Girls that it was so old, it had Rory applying to college. <laughs> and it was actually really funny because um, this was, I'm so That was still on at that point, right? When, uh, when yeah, it up. was still on when I joined up. Um, but, you know, Rory, I think, was like in her final year, year at Yale at that point when mm-hmm. I... Um, when I use that spec, but you know, I'm so old that I, I'm, I come from the days back when we wrote specs instead of pilots. Right. And my specs that year were a Gilmore girls and a six feet under. And so the first time I was on set and Peter Krause, star of six feet under and Lauren Graham, star of Gilmore girls were saying my lines. I like legit had to step around the corner <clears throat> and take a moment. Cause I was going to cry. <laughs> like, I just like I'm like I can't believe this is my life. I tell you, I I had a moment where I was like, <clears throat> I, there's a, there's a supernatural I've been th- I had been threatening to spec for years, and I'm actually, I'll, at this point I'll say what it what it was gonna be only because the, the, I'm not doing it now, and there's a re- but every time I was gonna do it, it was always gonna be well, it's gonna be there. They're gonna <clears throat> end this year. They're gonna end oh it. yeah, this went on. <laughs> and then for, I just keep going. This went on for four years. I was well, like, now's your chance, well, isn't it ending? It's ending, but that's why I won't do it because <laughs> there's no reason. Because now it's going to be irrelevant. It's it's basically any spec I could write be irrelevant now. 
But the idea was going to be because if the rules of that show are to get to kill a ghost, you have to salt and burn the bones. What if the ghost is Jimmy Hoffa? <laughs> exactly, funny. exactly. Um, and That's somehow, really good. yeah, and somehow they've never done it. Um, uh, so I, so I, but there was going to be other elements involved and stuff. And I was like, son of a, son of a bitch. Like I finally, because I finally decided I was going to do it. Two weeks later. And then the announcement comes out. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, see, see, this, I'm sorry, I canceled Supernatural. My bad. Right? You so, did this. <laughs> but then I figured out how to twist certain elements of it into a blacklist spec. I might do. But it's like, that I do. Fuck, I, I hate, it's kind of like being, like, I hate my 20s. I hate needing to write pilots. Like, I'll do it. I actually, no, I, that's a lie. I love writing pilots. But I don't like writing pilots as it relates to getting work. Yeah, because it's I, tough. Because also, Getting them read when you are not repped, as you as everyone is kind of coming around to it, particularly at this moment. Yeah, you know, between WJ Solidarity Channel. Oh yeah, we're, we're in a huge. Yeah, I just, but, I was just read a pilot this morning that was fantastic. Right, but that came through someone's manager or lawyer. No, no, came through to, I to I. But they're WGA. They're WGA. Yes. Right, and this yeah. is inherently the problem. Yes, no, with, that's true. With and it's not your fault. <laughs> Thank you it's, for not. It's not yours or the people the the people doing the challenge. It's not yeah. the fault. It's not your fault that you were like, you got to be union, you know, and there are plenty who have been like, you got to be union, preferably through a lawyer or your manager. Sent me that thing to, for legal reasons. Oh yeah, I'm, probably, I'm sure I'm setting myself getting, up to be sued, but I believe in the good of people. Right. So getting the pilots read when you're not like, if I have a blacklist back, I can go. Hey, I've got a blacklist back. Would you be interested in reading that? And you say yes or no, but you no point do you have to go, I do, but mm-hmm. right? There's no but. It's yeah, I yeah, I can totally read a blacklist. I'm not working on the blacklist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unless you're working on the blacklist, you can totally read a blacklist yeah. spec and go, Yeah, let's see what that looks like. Right? That's what the, I, to me, that's the biggest challenge that has come up when this yeah, whole, Oh, totally. We write your pilot write pilots to get, you know, work. And it's like but then also, pilots are hard to write and they're hard to read. Whereas a spec is like a pilot is to, so hard. To I don't write. have to set up characters in a spec. Yeah, no, totally. You I just hit the ground running, right? And but the, and so you, it allows you to go deeper in a way. And I feel like we've lost the. I feel like the ability of to not just the the tradition of writing specs, but the ability of writing yeah. specs has also kind of diminished. I feel like people do not how to do not know how to do them anymore. No, I agree. And actually a lot of people have complained that the fellowships um, still want you to write a spec because you're never going to use a spec as a staffing sample. But I actually think that it's great that they do that because if you get into one of those fellowships, you're setting yourself up to go be a staff writer on somebody else's show. So the skill you need is to be able to write someone else's voice. I'm fine with that. The issue with them is that they're like only these shows. Oh, I have heard that. And I just had coffee with a girl who was asking for advice and she said they're constantly changing what shows they because, are. Because they're like, and I, and actually it makes sense. I used to wonder like why, and then it hit me like a bolt of lightning because we always talk about we've lost the idea of collective consciousness so what's likely happening is they're going to their readers okay here's the list of shows we're going to tell everyone they can do be up on these shows that way you can read these shows yeah i for um i've for um for many years have been a judge for writers on the verge Mm -hmm. a wga contest and now it's all pilots but it used to be people would submit specs and there wasn't once that i got a spec of a show that i had already watched Mm -hmm. so i'd have to sit there and watch a few episodes of a show and then read their spec and it was it's a lot of work right 
It's a, it, really hard to watch TV, guys. <laughs> it's just too so much. It was so well, draining. <laughs> well, the problem is there's too much, and no one's watching the same thing except no. for Game of Thrones. Like exactly. And yeah, I so don't go wanna, write a spec. And of I don't want to write Game of Thrones, right? My my version of Game of Thrones is they discover a magical ability to time travel into the pre- into modern Earth, you know, 2019 Earth, and go there, go from there. <laughs> like that's that's my Game of Thrones spec. I can't. That's so. It's like. You write a show, and then maybe no one has seen the show. And yeah. it's, you know, no, we're now, we're now at this peak TV point that there are shows I've never heard of. There are networks I've never heard of. I didn't hear about the bold type until a year after it was on. Ouch! And that I, really hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you follow me on Twitter? Come on, man. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this is where I find out you've muted me. <laughs> Damn, that's cold. No, I know I do follow you. Um, but it's um. But that's I'm a TV critic and I didn't, I didn't get yeah. like I didn't know about it. And it's like that there's too much. No, there's too much. And then and then here's my here's the new thing that has happened. Shows will premiere on Netflix and I go, "What is that?" Yeah. Because yeah. because like wait, and then I go back, "Oh, there was a there was an announcement and it was in that there was casting news and like, "Oh, this is real." Why well, didn't how the fuck did, like I didn't yeah. know about this. I didn't know about like like it's just every week Five more pop up. Oh, like, wait, what? Shit has changed so much. But take, I, and I haven't even been, the, I mean, I've been a working TV writer for 14 years, I think. So it's right. not like I'm that long. Right. It's changed so much. But taking it back to rewriting, though. Sure. When you're. Way to focus. On <laughs> Good job. <laughs> when you're. What do you do? What's your process like now when you're writing those original pilots? You know, when you're breaking pilots. Wait, are we talking rewriting or first draft? Rewriting. But um, re, well, because you, you breaking and rewriting kind of go hand in hand in the break set part. When, so in, both in that process and after the first draft, what? How do you how do you critique yourself? How do you judge yourself? Oh, how do I? So you're talking about if I'm writing a spec pilot? Yeah, I you know I haven't written a spec pilot in several years mm-hmm. because I was on Parenthood for so long, and so every pilot or even I wrote a commission was pilot. okay. So a commission pilot, you're always, um, you know, you give it to your producer first and get usually great notes from them and then uh oftentimes you'll get conflicting notes from the studio or conflicting notes from the network so you know it's a lot of your gut instinct and in trying to find the note behind the note um because you know i've gotten notes sometimes where you feel like oh shit that could make the piece worse but then what always inevitably happens is, you know, you're angry for a day and then you sit down and think about like, okay, what's the note behind the note? And it's like, okay, well, they were definitely bumping on something. So I need to figure out what it is and make this this better. Do you have an obligation to, I mean, because they're the money guy, yeah. due to a point, but do you have an obligation to be like, okay, this note says X, this note says Y. So who do you want me to listen to, guys? Like, like, the, uh, how do you, na- how do you, right? How do you <laughs> well, navigate that those waters? It's like, I can only pick tough. one. I can only pick one. Well, I mean, the network is the king of everything and right. they're gonna, but yeah, look, I have been on a show and I won't say which one where I had um, executives calling me on my cell phone after phone call saying, don't listen to anything that person X just said, you only listen to us. And then that puts me in a politically very difficult situation. Great, great way to yeah. great way to make a television show. Fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's, that's how because that's how I want to go home. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's really tough. You know, when you're on, have you? What was like? Let's let's find a good one. What was like your favorite commission pilot experience? Um, 
I wrote a pilot called Backwards and Heels um, that was about, it was just a couple, I actually ended up writing it twice because we sold it to Fox first and then it uh, Fox didn't, it didn't go there. So then ABC um, had us do a, a new version of it, didn't go there either. But the writing experience in both cases was really great. And I think part of it is that um, I was doing that one with Jason Kadams as the producer. And so he's somebody who won't, take a bad note like mm-hmm. he will always push back and so i felt really protected whereas with him like he what would kind of push back prodding at it and be like okay what if you want me to do that what are you saying yeah what are you saying like i was um getting a note that i just it just did not make sense to me like there was certainly a version of the show like i'll, I'll give the specific note they wanted this one character to have a fuck buddy and it was so counter to who the character was mm-hmm. in my mind. And there was certainly a version of the show where the, I'm like, I'm not slut shaming anyone. I'm just slut shaming this particular character. Cause it just did not fit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the network was doing it just to try to spice it up and put more sex in the show, right. which I, I get the instinct. That's fine, but it just did not work for this character the way I was writing her. And Jason just stood the ground with me and we really pushed back on that note mm-hmm. and ha- did you ultimately win that battle yeah we did win that battle but yeah. but now what was the note behind the note though was it just they wanted to spice it up i it- think it was they wanted to spice it up so we found other places to do that right and other places to go bigger and go more out- outrageous and right. yeah i mean we're coming up uh towards the end on this one and uh when- shit i haven't said anything profound yet <laughs> <laughs> No, you definitely no. I, well, I got to, I got to, uh, I got to vamp about how I canceled Supernatural. It's my fault. <laughs> yeah, it's that's, totally my fault. That's important. You know when, uh, when you're when. So let's go back to the bold type. Mm-hmm. You know, for a second. Um, when you were in that first season, you were the knee. You were in the protector role. Yes. You had to be in the protector And I don't have the power that, that like, a Jason Kadams has. So right. I could not protect. <laughs> right. How, so what? But how did you go about navigating those waters when you had to be like, all right, drafts in, studio says this, network says this. You're going to the writer of the episode, and you go, this is, this is, these are the phone calls. It was tough. Yeah. I'll be honest. It was tough because th- there were a lot of conflicting voices on that show, and I just had to... At the end of the day, I had to push them out and just think, what is the note behind the note? And how can I make everybody happy with still making myself happy? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I that was a really important show for women, I felt like. And so I didn't want to hurt these characters. Okay, here's where I want to end this because this you just hit something really hard. Oh, did I say something profound? Yes. Okay, great. Do you ever, of all the things you could sacrifice of who do I make happy? Do you ever sacrifice? Maybe this is maybe I don't get to make myself happy on this one. Yes, but not on passion projects. On when I am a staff writer on a show, um, and I don't mean staff writer level. I just mean like on somebody else's when you're show. Sta- when you're staff yeah, I respect the showrunner to the end of the earth. Like I serve at the pleasure of the president. So if they say I want to do this, and I'm like that's dumb, I keep that to myself and I do that. Right. So yes, on somebody else's show, absolutely. It's really hard on a show that's a passion project to not make yourself happy. And what do you? Have you ever, you don't have to say if it ever, if it, if it did where, but did that, has that ever happened where you're like, I'm going to have to take the, I'm going to have to eat it on this one to get, to move the ball down the field. I need to eat it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You end up eating a lot of shit. And how do you, how do you deal with, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the having to eat it? 
Well, look, I mean, TV is a business. They pay us very well, and it is at the end of the day. So the money network. makes it better. <laughs> the money, honestly, though, but it's, I don't even just mean the money, which, yes, like, I'm very appreciative of the money, but it is their network, mm-hmm. and they know what they want, and, like... But they don't. They, that's the thing, they don't. it sounds like they don't know what they want. They... It is tough, and it's very tough, but, like, and so there were many times where I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go write a book, and guess what? Fuck it, I went and wrote a book last year. And it's was that been the, the most, most rewarding? Oh, thing? God, it's been the most creatively fulfilling year of my life. It's wonderful. Do you think you want to do features next? Because I feel like features would have a similar track because it's, it's slightly less voices. I don't know that it cooks. is. I mean, I feel like my feature writer friends get just as hammered with notes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really like the book process, but I, then I miss the collaboration of TV. Right. I, I think in a dream world, I would go do some 10 episode show that's awesome and work for somebody who I adore right. and then write books too. I mean, that's not a world you can't live in. I mean, that's my dream. So right. if there's anyone out there who would help me like to make that dream happen, you can hit me up at Sarah Watson 42 on, Sarah, the, on the Twitter. <laughs> Sarah Watson, thank you for coming on Word Tetris. Thank you for having me. Uh, if, you, if you're listening to this, it means you signed up for the $1 an episode tier, and you're the best person ever. You should now go to Patreon and sign up for the $3 an episode tier, where we're going to do a bonus episode on positivity, which I feel like is going to go really well, um, because we got all the negativity out in this episode. <laughs> uh, one more time, Sarah, where can they find you online? Uh, Sarah Watson. It's Sarah with an H, Watson42, and that's Twitter and Instagram. And the book is called? Most Likely. And it will be out in the spring? Spring or summer of 2020. And uh, But that's all they can look up. They can find right now on it. There's yeah, that's all you can find. find. Find me uh, on Twitter at twitter.com slash Meryl Barr, M-E-R-R-I-L-L-B-A-R-R. You can find the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash word Tetris pod. Oh, by the way, I haven't done this in a while. Um, If you're on the Patreon, just do me a solid and head over to iTunes and um, just leave a review. Just do that. That'd be, that would actually help out a lot. Let's go to, uh, you go to the, you know, go, I know your pay. Just go to the free version on iTunes and then more eyeballs, be more people see it. Hopefully more people sign up for the Patreon. That'll do it for this episode. We'll talk to you guys later.